Welcome to Covenant's Pulpit Ministry. Covenant Evangelical Free Church believes that the Bible is the Word of God and that God's Word is vital for life-transforming Christianity. We trust that you will grow to know the Word of God and more importantly, the God of the Word as you hear this message today. May God bless you as you open your heart to His Word. Um, I'd like to begin today's sermon with a quote. And this quote is by our previous bishop of the Anglican Church here in Singapore. His name is Reverend Dr. John Chu. And Bishop Chu said in 2004 that we are living in times of fundamental and rapid changes and challenges to our society. The region and the world at large in their civil and moral life, stability, and security. It is therefore both important and helpful to document the rich legacy that Christians have contributed to our multifaceted society. And that's what we're going to do today in a slightly different type of sermon. I'm actually going to not just use the scriptural text, I'm going to interweave it with stories from Singapore's history. So hang on to your seats, okay? Don't panic yet. It'll be quite all right, okay? Now, you've heard from um, Irwin that our uh, sermon series this few weeks is titled Into Your Hands. And today, we're going to look at the topic Singapore in God's hands. What does it mean to entrust Singapore into God's hands? What does it mean to say that, Lord, Singapore is indeed in your hands? So let me start off with a question for you. And I only give you five minutes to answer, okay? Uh, five seconds, sorry, five minutes. It's the end of sermon already. Okay, you only have five seconds to think about this question. And then at the end of it, I want you to turn to your neighbour beside you and tell your neighbour your answer, okay? The question is this. If you were overseas, what would you miss most about Singapore? Okay, five seconds up. Turn to your neighbour and tell your neighbour. Okay? Now, anybody miss this? Yes, any bus home fans around here? Wow, amazing. Uniquely Singaporean dish. In fact, my uncle loves bas homi so much that while he's in Singapore, every morning he needs to have his daily bas homi breakfast. And when he goes overseas, he will look for bas homi, of course, to no avail. And then he'll come back feeling sad that he don't have bas homi. So the first thing that he'll always eat is bas homi. So there are a lot of things that we do miss about Singapore. Uh, the, the, the religious harmony, the racial harmony and the stability that we have. But there are also some things that we might not miss so much. Things like this. <laughs> right? Congested totally every day. CTE. Right? I don't miss it either. As a, as a driver myself, I, I really just, uh, it's just a, such a waste of time to get stuck in one of these jams, right? Um, but but it, it's what keeps Singapore moving, right? So actually one of the things personally that I like most about Singapore is the songs, right? If you go overseas and you visit various countries, most countries have their national anthem, but not many countries have such a wide repertoire of what they would consider national songs that Singapore has. Earliest in my memory, when I started uh, listening to National Day songs as a little primary school kid, one of the earliest songs that we used to sing was called Five Stars Arising. Anybody know? There are five stars arising out of the stormy sea. Now, if you know the song, you know how old you are because we don't sing it nowadays. <laughs> right? That was when I was in 
primary school. And of course, Singapore being a very creative bunch, uh, tend to be a little bit more creative sometimes with their uh, national songs. So when I was in secondary school, um, there was a slew of national songs that got modified slightly. Have you ever heard of four people, one table, let's play mahjong? <laughs> no? Four people, one table, let's play mahjong. Or how about, count money, Singapore. Or, we are Jin Kang Kor, we are Jin Kang Kor. All heard before, right? I, see, I see some heads nodding there. Again, if you have heard this before, you know that you were born before 2002. It was so popular that our, our then Prime Minister, Minister Go Chok Tong, had to raise it in the National Day Rally in 2002 to tell Singaporeans, if you want to be so creative, right, can you exercise your creativity in other ways? And of course, there are other Singaporeans who would take him literally at face value and go on to exercise their creativity. Do you know who this is? Dick Lee, if you know this is Dick Lee again, you know what age you are. Okay, now, um, that's a more recent picture of Dick Lee. In 2007, Dick Lee looked like that. I, I got this picture off YouTube. You can see that some things don't change. He's still... Right? Now, Dick Lee and Hosan Leong booked the Victoria Concert Hall in 2007. And, and they basically performed a few uh, very interesting, uh, almost satirical songs and skits. I see some heads nodding very rigorously. Um, so one of the songs that Dick Lee uh, changed was a, a very popular song that we still sing today. He has a vision for tomorrow. We must believe in PM Lee. <laughs> he has a dream for Singapore. He will achieve his PM Lee. And then I must stop singing there because the rest of the song is a bit too sacrilegious to sing on the pulpit. It's still on YouTube, by the way, just hinting. Okay, now, for me though, for me, um, you all know already that I went to Canada to study for three years and you know the song that really reminds me of what Singapore is is actually Kit Chan's home. And, and I, I can, I can I hear some wah and yah around. Yeah. Um, and one of the reasons why I like it so much is because it really strikes my heart. I will always remember the city, know every street and sound and it's, it's really true because in Singapore, being a driver myself and having travelled around by public transport quite a bit too, you really know every street and sound. You can take a picture of Singapore and you can really tell exactly where it is. So for example, this picture, PIE, near Upper Serangoon Road. Okay, if you all don't know, then maybe you all don't, don't drive around so much. Okay? But, but if you go overseas, you find that a lot of times cities are laid out in grids. And you can barely tell one grid from the next. In fact, in Canada, in Vancouver, where I was, they got tired of naming the streets by street name, so it's just called First Street East, First Street West, until like 70th Street East and 70th Street West. But in Singapore, every road has a name, and every road has a particular shape, and they're not all laid out in grids. It's fascinating. So this is what I call home. And so much for Singapore songs. Today, our text is from... A different songbook. It's from the songbook of another nation. This nation is Israel. And we're going to look at Psalm 33 today as we talk about Singapore in God's hands. Okay? But let me just give you a little bit of a preamble. Psalm 33 is not a difficult psalm, right? So um, it's, I'm just going to give you a few introductory notes. It begins with three verses. These are the three verses. And the words that are highlighted in red are what we call imperatives. Right? The imperative, the command to shout joyfully, to pray.
praise the Lord, make music to Him, sing to Him a new song, play skillfully. These are what the psalm calls the Israelites to do. And you can imagine the nation of Israel as they are gathered for worship, whether at the temple or maybe in, in houses sometimes, in the, with the instruments playing and people worshipping God. You can imagine that kind of atmosphere that is generated, right? Um, Yahweh, the introductory few verses say, is a righteous God, right? He's a righteous God and it is fitting to praise Him. Of course, verse 3 says, sing to Him a new song. And that's something that we will do too at the end of the sermon today. Along the way, I'm going to introduce to you the lyrics of the new song, which actually fall quite in line with the sermon today. But before we read the text, here is a very brief outline of the text, right? Very high-level outline. We have talked about the prologue, first three verses. The psalm ends with an epilogue, again, another three verses. And in between, I have just divided it into my two main points for today's sermon. The first point is a sovereign God. He is sovereign over all of creation, over all the nations. The second point, a steadfast hope a steadfast hope, because this sovereign God sees, He knows, and He comes to save. A sovereign God and a steadfast hope. So we're going to read the, the passage together, and we're going to do it a bit interactively, okay? So this is what you're going to see on the slides. If it says all, that means everybody read. Lah. If it says left, that means people on this side of the main aisle read. Lah. If it says right, that means people on this side of the aisle reads. Okay? So can I get you all to stand as we read the word of the Lord together. Psalm 33. Psalm 33. Sing joyfully, shout joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise Him. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to Him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to Him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. Their starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the people of the world revere him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the people. But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. The people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place, he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope 
in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. So as I explained, our psalm is divided into these four basic parts. Um, and our first point is a sovereign Lord. Where do we see this in the psalm? Firstly, notice in verses 4 to 7, there's a repeated phrase. There's a repeated phrase. And the phrase is in red. The word of the Lord is right and true. And by that same word of the Lord, the heavens were made. You see, as Israel thinks about the sovereignty of the Lord, they are brought back immediately to that creation account way back in Genesis, where everything was in darkness and chaos, and God spoke into that darkness, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that it was good. In the same way, in the next five days, God continues to speak into the world, into the darkness, and everything comes into being as He commanded. That is the word of the Lord. And, and because God speaks the world into being, the earth is full, it is filled to the brim with His unfailing love, righteousness, and justice. It was very good. God, our Yahweh God, is the sovereign creator and He rules over all of creation. But He doesn't just rule over all of creation, He also rules over the nations. And here the psalmist does a little bit of a trick, right? He uses parallelism to kind of move us into the next section. Now, what in the world is parallelism? So here's a little tip for us when we read poetry, like the psalms. You'll notice that in these four verses, every verse comes as a pair. Right? There are two lines to every verse. Now, how this works is that each of the two lines reinforces each other, sometimes to emphasize, sometimes to contrast. And in each line, usually, not all the time, but usually there are three parts. Okay? Now, how does this work? In verse 8, here are the three parts. All the earth, fear, the Lord. And in the next line, all the peoples of the world revere him. Can you see how the two lines parallel each other? And you can essentially go ahead and do the same for most of the verses in this psalm, right? I leave you to do that on your own when you go back home. Now, how this migrates, notice that it begins with the earth and then there's a movement to all the peoples and then in the later verses, it moves to the nations, right? What this implies, right, is that the nations too, are part of God's creation. It's not just that God has created those things that we see, the worlds out there, the, the plants and the trees. People are also created by Him. Nations are also created by Him. And if you have understood the psalm, you know that God remains sovereign over them all. We see this in verses 10 and 11, where, again, there's a partly repeated phrase, the plans of the nations versus the plans of the Lord. The Lord foils the plans of the nations, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. He remains sovereign over all that goes on. Ours is a sovereign God. Now, some of you may have read this book. Um, it's written by our first Prime Minister, Prime Minister uh, Lee Kuan Yew. And in it, as uh, Lee Kuan Yew describes Singapore's journey from third world to first, he talks about how Singapore began. And this is what our PM Lee wrote. We faced tremendous odds with an improbable chance of survival. Singapore was not a natural country, but man-made. 
a trading post the British had developed into a nodal point in their worldwide maritime empire. We inherited the island without its hinterland, a heart without a body. This is how Prime Minister Lee Kuan Yew described Singapore. And he may be right if you're looking at it from a purely infrastructural, physical, economic standpoint. That's right. But what if we looked at it through spiritual lenses? What if? And that's the goal of what I hope to do today. Right? Way back, Thomas Stanford Raffles. It's an Englishman. And he was the one whom we know in our history class and our social studies classes. He's the one who founded Singapore in 1819, 150 years before Lee Kuan Yew became prime minister, 150 years before Singapore was even an independent nation. Right? Now, what many people don't know about Raffles is that he was a devout Christian. Right? He believed that the inculcation, the teaching of Christian moral principles through education would lead to an improvement of society. And he was a good friend of William Wilberforce. The name sounds familiar? Wilberforce was the guy who abolished slavery in England, and Raffles had uh, uh, correspondences with Wilberforce. And Raffles was the one who insisted that in Singapore law, slavery is not allowed. So he worked to abolish slavery. He worked to encourage education. And there's a school name after him. Um, he also wrote to promote the gospel. And this is what Raffles' wife, Sophia Raffles, had to say about her husband. Sophia Raffles says that it was his conviction that the best means, the best means of improving society was to civilize and instruct the people and together with that civilization and instruction to convey to them the blessed truths of the gospel. Trusting that God, in His own good time, will bestow upon them that faith in a Redeemer, without which all knowledge is vain, and which alone is for the healing of the nations. Isn't that amazing? Sophia Raffles' testimony about her husband. Another thing not well known about Raffles is that before he even came and set up Singapore in 1819, he was already the founder of the Java and Sumatran Auxiliary Bible Society. This is in Indonesia. He founded it in 1814, and he was also its president. Raffles personally paved the way together with the London Missionary Society for the establishment of the Bible Society of Singapore. That was in 1824, way before Singapore's independence, the Word of God came to Singapore through a man of God. God is sovereign over Singapore. And next year, the Bible Society of Singapore celebrates its 200th year anniversary. Okay, this picture, anybody wants to guess what road is this? Take a guess. Anyone? Brass Basa is close, close. Okay, this is the old Orchard Road. Okay, this is the old Orchard Road. What you see as the boats and ships here is today Suntec City and Marina Bay Sands. Okay, this road is Orchard Road. Ion is somewhere here now. Uh, uh, Takashimaya somewhere on oh, this side also. And what I want to point out to you in this picture is this building here, right? This old picture has in here a building that was called the Church of St. Andrew. Today, it is St. Andrew's Cathedral. This location where the church was built, Raffles personally selected that location. 
1823. And the foundation stone for building was laid in 1835, and the building was completed in 1836. Those of you who are more observant will notice that there's another church here. This is the Armenian church. Right? Way back then, God was at work here in Singapore. Here are some other uh, old churches. Malay Mission Chapel on Princep Street. Today, Princep Street Presbyterian Church started 1843. And Princep Street Presbyterian Church hosted the first Boys Brigade Company back in 1930, 35 years before Singapore's independence. This is Bethesda Chapel, founded in 1866 by a guy whom we all know very well. We don't know him as the guy who founds churches. His name is Philip Robinson. We know him as the guy who owns Robinson's, the department store, right? So this was in Brass Basa Road, and today, Bethesda Chapel has become Bethesda Hall, Ang Mokyo, and they have a church plant at Depot Walk, okay? Um, our second president of Singapore, Dr. Benjamin Henry Shears, was baptized here in this building. Okay? God is at work. He is sovereign over the nations. But he's not just sovereign in bringing people to Singapore and planting churches. He is sovereign in sending people to spread the gospel. This picture was taken in 1930. 1930 and it's a picture of John Sung. Anybody familiar with John Sung here? Yes, I see some heads nodding. Again, you know how old you are. Sorry. <laughs> so John Sung was one of the first evangelists who came and led revival movements in the mid-1930s. The person uh, interpreting for him is Miss Leona Wu, who went on to set up a Bible seminary, Chinlian Bible Seminary, which still exists today. These revivals were held in what is currently Teluk Ae Methodist Church. right? And I guess for us here, we will be more familiar with this. Four nights in 1978, 237 churches gathered as one for the first time in Singapore's history to host the Billy Graham Crusades. 220,000 people packed the National Stadium, and from there, almost 20,000 were saved. Now, in a congregation this size, I am sure that there are some of you who were there at that rally. Anyone who was there? At the rally, wow, look at that, amazing. Can you see how God has been faithful to Singapore, how He is still sovereign over Singapore? And the new song that we will be singing later expresses it like this. God, the uncreated one, the author of salvation, wrote the laws of space and time and fashioned worlds to His design. The one whom angel hosts revere hung the stars like chandeliers, numbered every grain of sand, knows the heart of every man. He is king forever. He is king forever. He is king forevermore. That's our first point. A sovereign God over all of creation, over all the nations. And our second point, a steadfast hope in the God who sees, who knows, who comes to save. Right? This is from verses 12 to 19. Notice here that the verse 12 opens with, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people He chose for His inheritance. And this people He chose, in context, is the nation of Israel. God chose Israel from all the nations of the world, from the rest of mankind, that He may bless them, that He may show them His ways, and therefore that they may live as a light among the nations to be a blessing to the nations. So this verse is quite specific. See, God sees, watches, He considers all that is happening on earth. But what is He looking for? 
What is he looking for? Our answer is in the next set of verses. In verse 18, it says, The eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love. See, our God is looking out for his people in context, the nation of Israel, um, not merely out of curiosity, like, you know, you want to capo and see what's going on, like what you eat for breakfast today or dinner tomorrow. Neither is he looking out so that he can catch who is speeding along the PIE, like the speed camera that's always there near Lonnie Road. He is looking out for people so that when they need help, he is there to provide it. God remains steadfast to his people and therefore they hope in him. But there is a contrast in these four verses here. The contrast is the opposite, you see. What do we hope in? No king, no warrior, no horse. In Israel, these were the things that they were tempted to place their trust in. And they are qualified by the same Hebrew word. The Hebrew word is rov, right? Rov. And rov means great or many. So no king is saved by the greatness or manyness of his army. No warrior is shaped by his great strength. And the horse's great strength also cannot save. Instead, the psalmist is quite clear. Yahweh is the only steadfast hope of his people. Not the kings and their armies, not the warriors and horses with their strength. And that begs us asking the question today, what are our equivalent of armies' strengths and horses today? What's our equivalent of armies' strength and horses today? I suggest to you that sometimes it can be this. It can be this. You see, the Singapore success story is told all over the world on international platforms of how Singapore, a sleepy fishing village, managed to move from third world to first in under 40 years. In fact, our currency is so strong now amid the present global crisis that it's expected to outperform everything except the US dollar. That's quite something. But it is entirely possible for us to place our trust in the financial district stable jobs, our retirement savings, the diversification of our investment portfolios, good governance, low corruption, law and order, clean air, clean water, stable electricity supply. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that these are not good things. These are very good things that the Lord has indeed blessed us with, but they can very quickly misplace our trust or at least we can very quickly misplace our trust in these things that causes us to turn away from God. That is the serious question that the psalmist asks us today. Do we really trust in Yahweh? Or when the rubber meets the road, do you really trust in your finances and your intellect and your stability or what have you? Right? If anything, the ending of 2022 ought to give us a lesson it was recently reported that the top uh, 500 billionaires, because of the turmoil in the financial markets, lost $1.9 trillion over 2022. This is not rupiah, okay? This is Singapore dollars. $1.9 trillion Singapore dollars. I don't even know how to imagine a number with that many zeros in my bank account. Right? But this is what they lost. This is the transience of wealth and the power that the world offers to us. Which begs the question, how then do we live the good life today? And again, history has some lessons for us. This is the story of Tang Shun King. 
Anybody knows who he is? You probably know him better as C.K. Tang. C.K. Tang was the son of a Presbyterian pastor who came over to Singapore from China in 1922, again, before Singapore was independent. And he started off with a trunk, a, a, a box of things, a linen cloth that he was selling on the streets. He was pushing a rickshaw and selling on the streets. And God richly blessed him. And eventually, he started a huge department store empire. But despite starting this huge department store empire, and you know such, such uh, department stores are very often profit-driven, C.K. Tang chose not to open his store on Sundays. Do you know why? Because C.K. Tang wanted his staff to go to church. Even though everyone was going to spend money on Sundays, that's the time when the prophets come in, C.K. Tang said, no, we are going to church. On top of that, he was a devout Christian and his own staff and his family would testify that C.K. Tang would not begin the day without Bible reading and prayer. This is the story of a man who loves God with all his heart, more than anything else that the world can provide him. And he continued to not open his store on Sunday until 1996. Those of us who are a bit older might know this. Right? Uh, of course, his legacy has been tainted by a series of slightly more recent events, but the point still remains the same. Right? Who would you choose to place your trust in? And does it match your dollar? <laughs> now, today we have many faithful examples too of uh, Christians, whether in the marketplace or in the schools or in the army or in the government sector, who are being faithful to God with all that they have. And some of you are here in this congregation. Right? But I'd like to just draw your attention to the guy on your right, his name is Philip Ng, and Philip Ng is the CEO of Far East Organization, one of the biggest real estate firms in Singapore. And the person who is interviewing him is Christopher Tan. Christopher Tan attends our Covenant East Center. Now, Christopher is going to ask Philip in this little extract from this interview, what makes you happy? Is it using the wealth that you have? And I'd like you to listen to Philip's answer. Building a Christian enterprise based on Christian principles, having the courage to stand up for it. Philip Ng puts his money where his mouth is. And in fact, at Covenant EFC, we are very blessed by Far East Organization who actually donates the space at Wood Square, at Woodlands, and also at Junction 10 here for our New Life Community Services to operate. Aaron Keyes in our song, King Forevermore, writes it like this. God, our fortress and our strength, the rock on which we can depend, matchless in his majesty, his power and authority, unshaken by the schemes of men, never changing the great I am. Kingdoms rise and kingdoms fall. He is faithful through it all. And so we crown him king forevermore. A sovereign God, a steadfast hope, and a call to praise. But we need to ask the question, is the passage really for us? Because as I mentioned just now, the passage was clearly given to Old Testament Israel. Should we claim these things for Singapore? And here is where we need to understand what Jesus has done. And in the next verse of our song, Aaron Keys sums it up like this. Mighty God in mortal flesh, forsaken by a traitor's kiss. The curse of sin and centuries did pierce the lowly prince of peace. Lifted high the sinless man, crucified the spotless lamb, buried by the sons of men, and he was rescued by the Father's hand to reign as king forever, reign as king forever, reign as king forevermore. Because Jesus died for all, 
His salvation is open and available to all, extended from Israel to the ends of the earth. Peter can tell the Christians that you are a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his marvellous light. The promise is no longer given to just one nation, but to a certain kind of people scattered around the earth, that we may bring God's blessings to the ends of the earth because it is ultimately the righteous who will shout with joy to the Lord because the Lord loves righteousness and fills his whole earth with it. Or as Jesus would put it, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And these things will be added unto you. And so therefore, we stand with centuries of Christians who insist that our sovereign God, he has a vision for tomorrow. We will believe because He's sovereign. And we have a hope for Singapore because He will achieve. So you and me will do our part <laughs> to stand together heart to heart. And in doing so, we're going to show Singapore what the kingdom of God can be. And yet not what we achieve but God's grace achieving in us. A sovereign God, a steadfast hope. And so we, His people, sing joyously to Him. We have the last section of the psalm. We wait in hope for Yahweh, our God, because He is our help and our shield. In Him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in His holy name, and may your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you, even as we entrust Singapore and our lives in Singapore, the spheres of influence and the work that God has called us to in Singapore into His hands. Stand up for Singapore because He is, our God is, after all, King forevermore. Spawn song together, King Forevermore.
We come and give you all the praise and glory. Oh, people, as we come and stand in awe, stand in gratitude that such is our sovereign God. Because who am I that God will love us? What is Singapore that God will raise up today as a first world nation? What Dr. Billy Graham lovely called the Antioch of Asia. We are nothing. But God in His sovereignty raised us up to stand for His kingdom and His glory. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we don't have to be Sir Stanford Raffles. We don't have to be Philip Ng. You are who you are. You are a son of the living God. You are a child of God. And He has a special place for you Right here in this nation, you could be born any other place in this world. But God chose you to be born in Singapore for such a time as this. 
So would you take your stand? Stand up for God so that we can stand up for Singapore and then we can stand up for the world. So as you open up your hearts and lift up your hands to receive God's enabling and benediction that you might take your place. No one else can take that place except you in the home, in the marketplace, in the community, in our nation. Oh, the counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom He has chosen as His heritage. What gratitude, O God. And we worship You. And may our lives point to the King of Kings who came and gave His life for us. So my dear brothers and sisters, may you go forth from here. May you right now be filled, be empowered by the Holy Spirit and go forth, be witnesses for His glory. Be blessed. May the presence, the peace and the promises of God attend to you at every turn and twist of your life that you might witness the ever-present help of God in your life. Be blessed. Be blessed. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We're glad you had spent some time listening to God's Word, and we hope that the message has ministered to you. Should you require more assistance, kindly call 6892-6811 or you can visit us at www.cefc.org.sg for more sermon titles. God bless you in your spiritual pilgrimage ahead.